Uh, hey folks, so <laughs> the audio on this episode is not perfect because I hadn't worked out quite how to make my mic do the, the good working yet, so um, bear with us, um, and next episode should be a little bit better quality. Just heads up, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I remember what June voice is. It was like, um, Arrakis! Oh! <laughs> a beginning is the time for taking the most delicate care that the balances are correct. This is every sister of the Bene Gesserit knows. To begin your study of the life of Muad Deep, then... Have we... Do we need to standardise pronunciations of the weird names? No. Do you think we do? Because I've... I mean, uh, Muad Deep is very important. Oh, Muad Deep. Muad Deep? Muad Deep? I like that. Muad Deep? Yeah. Muad Deep? The Muad... The Muad Deep... I prefer Wadib. It does sound very potentious. Wadib. Potentious. I think put. Some people say portentous or put. See, this is the problem: is that when you are doing a podcast recording, you have to make sure you say the words oh, right. Words. You don't have to say any words right. There are no rules here. No rules here. No gods. No kings. No pronunciation. Just god emperors of the planet Arrakis. Then take care that you first place him in his time, born in the 57th year of the... Padishah. <laughs> hmm, Padishah? Padishah. Padishah or Padishah? I like Padishah. Padishah, Emperor Shadam the Fourth, Roman numerals. <laughs> <laughs> Roman numerals. See, I think I was reading a, a tweet read the other day, and I was like, okay, yes, so this person is very correct in that Dune is orientalist fantasy bullshit nonsense yeah it is racist and it's built on like a wonderful terrible awful colonial misunderstanding of like actual history yeah yeah for sure like a complete fetishization of actual culture and probably also real real words so it feels weird to say them also but also we have to because we're recording a podcast and also it's it's sort of fun it's kind of fun yeah. Should we should we talk about how this book is racist, like, from the start? Should we talk about it? Should we tell people our names and stuff, or should we just not, not? Walk without rhythm, it won't attract the worm. <laughs> um, I'm Ray. Hi. Oh no. Oh god, this feels so terrible. Do your one. Oh no. Hi, I'm Josie. Um, we are siblings. Yes, we are siblings. And we have the same hair. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna get that. Um, uh, it's called University. We're gonna read June and talk about it and make fun of it and be interested in it, even though it's racist. Mostly make fun of it. <laughs> Uh, and I'd probably also be in- I'm I'm so interested in Dune, like I'm really interested in Dune. I'm I refuse to understand a single thing about <laughs> it ever, but I'm really interested in it. I think Dune has like made like fully made a space in my brain for the last yeah three months. I've been like slightly obsessed with it. Yeah, I've been thinking about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, Paul is a twin. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. What? Yeah. <laughs> um. Although. Paul of Dune. Paul of Dune. <laughs> Why does he have a normal name? I know everyone says that. I don't know. <laughs> normal. A white name. 
Yeah. Well, you can tell Paul is white because he has a thin, disdainful nose. Hadn't you heard? I, uh, I did think, oh gosh, his nose is disdainful. His nose. I was like, oh, he's white, huh? Got that disdainful nose. <laughs> we knew this, but it's, his nose was so thin and so disdainful. He's got a racist nose. <laughs> he sure has. And we watched the film together once, but I didn't process literally anything that happened. So reading some of this, I've been like, this is really interesting. How are we going to position this as we sort of move through Yeah, I guess. Because I have kind is. of like a sort of brain imprint of the film from about a year ago when we watched it with our brother. Um, and I think the thing that I have heard people say about Dune, the film, is that it is more of a tone poem than anyone really being interested in the plot or... That's good because I kind of understood it as a tone poem. Yeah, yeah. I, it was like a series of images and emotions that happened in front of me. And I remember how it made me feel, but not what happened at all. And like, it has the occasional like killer line. Um, but you don't go, you don't watch Dune to be to understand thrilled Dune. by... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just go to look at the, the small child nun with the blue eyes going like, Here's the Muad'Dib! And it's amazing. <laughs> Um, okay. You know, um, I, I heard stuff about the new Dune film that's coming out, and I haven't seen any trailers or anything about as it. We, as we call it, Noon. Noon. <laughs> Noon. Yeah, I heard about Noon. Noon. Um, <laughs> and I was watching, I was watching, I feel like I was watching TV, or I was watching YouTube without an app. And uh-huh. there was like, there was something on, and it felt like a trailer, and there was like a series of images, and deserts, and people like meditating and lifting things with their minds. And I was like, oh, maybe this is a trailer for, like, the new June. And it was a trailer for June. It was an advert for, like, whiskey. Oh. <laughs> That's... I mean, I think June is still, like, in the casting phase. Maybe they're shooting now, but I don't think it's, yeah. it's ready for human consumption yet. It's going to be full of white people, but I am going to watch it. It is, it is going to be full of white people. It's going to be... We're going to have a real experience when we go and see it. I mean, I'm just going to remark that they have already cast um, the famous hair boy, boy with the most famous hair, Timothy Chalamet, Timothée Chalamet, Timothée Chalamet as Paul, Paul Atreides. I may have to Google who that is and then comment on his hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Google him and then t- tell me how disdainful his nose is. And I think he's got a pretty disdainful nose. Ooh! Yes? Look at his chin! I know, pointy, right? He has got a bit of a disdainful nose. His face is too small for his face, Josie. (laughs) What does that mean? His face is too small for his head. His face is too small for his face. Is he Paul? He's Paul. See, no one will ever be more Paul than Carl McLaughlin, who is just the right amount of disdainful. He's peak Paul. He's peak Paul. He's got that beautiful, beautiful, dark black wavy hair. And a great big chin. (laughs) <laughs> a big, nice chin. The best kind. And he has those kind, soft eyes. Do you want to talk about the racism and then we can talk about the two chapters that we read that don't have numbers? Okay, let's do a racism disclaimer. Okay. We're both black, if that counts. You do your piece on it and then I'll say what I think about it. Well, okay. It's just, I think one of the first things that I ever read about Dune before I knew really what Dune was, was um, a piece in the uh, LA Review of Books, I think, about Orientalism in Dune and how particularly a lot of the um, history and culture elements were based on like this very long, beautifully written account of sort of nomadic tribes in the desert in Renaissance times. Mm-hmm. Um, we both 
are well equipped or somewhat equipped to go into this high fantasy sci-fi-esque property with healthy feelings of skepticism about um, the problems inherent in the genre. Um, But yeah, so I think what I kind of want to do as this goes on maybe is kind of find out a bit more about the history and culture of the real stuff that might have inspired Dune. Oh, that would be really interesting. I think that would be interesting for me. That would be really, really interesting. And I think you are sort of the right person to talk about it. Oh, awesome. Thank you. I mean, not that I am any kind of... But between us two. <laughs> between, <laughs> of between the two of us. All right. I'll make a joke or something and you can talk about the clever thing. Yes, but I am also funny. This is important to note. This is important. Yes, you are. Yeah, I mean... We are approaching Dune from a, a, a really unserious... An unserious and also critical angle. Yes. I mean, also a good way of dealing with racism generally in my life. Yeah, is to not take it seriously. And then until you have to. Until you have to, and then it hurts your heart. And uh. I mean, I have, I have read ahead a little bit. No Negroes yet in Dune. Am I allowed to say Negroes? <laughs> yes, but thank you. <laughs> but I'll say my thing about racism. Yes. Now that I'm allowed to talk. Um, <laughs> um, it's gonna have parts of it that are like really fetishizing something that is like not fully understood by its author. Um, that is inherently racist in the way that it presents things and puts things in opposition to other things, and the way that it sort of characterizes aspects of its culture and uses like the idea of an other that actually exists in the world and like is how people live to sort of signify what is alien. But also, like, that is really important. We're going to keep noting that. And I've also heard people say, like, oh, Dune is bad. Um, and I want to approach it more with an attitude of, like, I want to find things to like about this, even if it, whether it's things that are silly or whether it's things that are really interesting, whether it's things that are, like, well-written or kind of charming in the midst of, what we know is like quite challenging <laughs> yes although i mean i do love the fact that some of it's very bad yes oh i love it <laughs> i mean i think even some of the writing is actually pretty seriously bad like straight off the bat um do we want to talk about chapter one yes all right let's do it yeah so chapter one is called the beginning is the time for taking the most delicate care of the balances are correct etc it's not called it's not called that it also isn't called Chapter One. It's not called anything. No. Frank Herbert didn't know about chapters. No, he clearly didn't. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I have to say, I really like all of these um, the quotations from Princess Irulan's different publications. Mm. A, I want to know more about Princess Irulan. She seems cool. I know, she sounds cool. And I love the kind of intertextuality thing. Like, I think... Yeah. Do you ever remember reading The Handmaid's Tale? I was just thinking about that. Yeah, it's very much like that. And it just, like, it has this wonderful sense of weird historicity where, like... Yeah, and, like, a weird sense of, like, looking at things through different lenses and understanding texts and, like, historical study applied to something that you're reading and relating to that I really enjoy. Yeah, because it makes you not only think of about the world, but the, the way that you have to situate that world in a world. Yeah, and it makes you think about the way that we think about history, which I really enjoy. Yeah, because, I mean, we're already dealing with, you know, the the, dif- the, the distance between real life and myth, mm. like, already. I'm like, ah, oh, so meaty. Cool. What a 
savory flavor to chop. The first page of Dune. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> I'm going to very briefly overview what happens in this chapter and then we can sort of talk about our favorite bits. Oh, thank God, because I was going to be like, what happened? What happened? Um, Paul's family, whose like, family name that I can't remember at the moment, will eventually. Atreides. Thank Atreides. You. The Atreides because, family. Ray, Ray, Ray. Yes. Atreides. What? <laughs> um. It's from a, a Greek play uh-huh. that I like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know the Oresteia? Yeah, vaguely. There's a guy called Atreus, and his family line is called the Atreides, uh-huh. and they're very cursed. Oh, okay, that's fun. I love cursed things. Anyway, Paul's family has recently got this planet that does the big money because they've got the geriatric spice melange, but we don't find very much about it. Do they call it geriatric? Yeah, the geriatric spice melange. What the hell? It's in this bit. Let me find <laughs> it. Um, How the hell did he land on geriatric spice melange as as the thing, the, like the driving force of this many thousand page Epic. I know. So it says, their mortal enemies, the Harkonnens, have been on Abacus 80 years, holding the planet in a quasi, is it thief or fight? I think it's thief. Thief. Under a Chome Company contract to mine the geriatric oh, yes. spice. Melange. <laughs> Melange. <laughs> Melange. So, yeah. Um, all we know about it at the moment is that it makes you very rich and it's very valuable and it gives you special powers. Um, so, Paul is asleep, or pretending to be asleep. And his mother comes into his room with a big old lady who has eyes like a scary bird. Um, <laughs> and while he is pretending to be asleep and looking at them through like little slits in his eyes, um, they hey, sort of... very creepy move, Paul. <laughs> no, he's fifteen. He's a little, you know, when you're fifteen and people come in to take if you're asleep and you're like, yes, I'm asleep. Look at my tiny eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do know that extremely distinct. And the next day, um, he sort of wakes up. Uh, his mother comes into his room and gets him dressed. She seems very tense. He's about to have a test that men children men children do not usually have. So he goes into I think it's their morning room or something, and he meets this scary old lady who is someone very important. Um, Benegesserit Ray. It's very important. Benegesserit. Listen. I do not remember things. Uh, yeah, so she she makes him put his hands in a box. And in the box is pain. In the box is pain, and so the box is pain, which I love that bit. I really I mean, it. the great thing about this first chapter is it's a real cracker. It's got all the dune hits. It is a cracker. I love it. Yeah, so in the box is pain. She says, keep your hand in the box or I'll kill you. With this gonja bar. Yes, Jessica, his mother, stand outside. You know, they sort of suggest that he's a... A very, like, a special, unique, magical boy. Messiah boy. Yeah. In some respect. And he feels as though something, he'll have to do something very terrible and weird. Um, and that there is. Well, the, the thing is that In the Boxes of Pain is already, like, one of, I think, I, I would say the top five yeah. Dune things. It's very iconic Dune. It's iconic. And it's, like, right at the beginning. Yeah. And you're like, you sort of, it's one of the great things where you're like, oh, okay, I like this. Now I have to read the rest of this fucking book. You know? I mean, it's just, it's very, it speaks to you of the, the world 
so mm. so well. I'm like, ah, more of this, please. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot about the world in this chapter. Yeah, he's. I mean, the good. Uh, the Frank Herbert is so good at building something, even though kind of due to the nature of this world and that everything is kind of invented and not recognizable and full of like pigeon Arabic, and where he's talking about um, putting down a balisette. And you're like, what the hell's a balisette? But also, from context clues, you can work out it's some kind of string instrument. Um, and I'm like... I do love that. He, uh, despite it kind of feeling clunky, it is yeah. also... It doesn't give you an explanation, and I really like he just, that. But he does so much heavy lifting, even though you can I, kind of see it happening. You're like, yeah. oh, but I respect you, Frank Herbert. You're world building. Yeah. I mean, fuck Frank Herbert, but I love this. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Um, yeah, like, the, I feel like for me, one of the really important things I learned about the world from this is like, oh, like, this is very, uh, it's very eugenics y. Ah, uh, okay. Um, eugenics sure is happening. Uh huh. It definitely I is. I mean, horrible breeding programs and all that business. I know. And I only really got this, and, and I think it might be because I'm like a little bit thick, but. I don't think you're a little bit thick. Hold on now. <laughs> I only really got this. The second time I read it, but when when they said, like, so the god, uh, so so he asked, um, mm. so after the pain ordeal is over, um, and he has four bloody marks where his fingernails yeah. bit his palm on his other hand because he was in so much pain, um, and he asked the old woman if she did that as another one. Oh God, I love this bit so much. Oh my God. Um, and she replies, "Ever since found through a screen." And she goes on to say, we Bene Gesserit sift people to find the human. And the first time I read this, I was like, oh, is this like a robot thing, an artificial intelligence thing, is this a mentat thing? And then I was like, oh, no, it's a eugenics thing, isn't it? The second time round, I was like, oh, if you're not kind of, if you don't cultivate your thoughts well enough, you're not human in these people's lives. That's what I took from it. Well... Well, that's really interesting because that is actually where I went first, and then I sort of had to revise, revise my my position because. What do you think it means? They were talking about the uh, the schools. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I really love is that they introduced this kind of weird, twisted kind of. Oh, I love. Medieval, edge of early modern type religious stuff. Yeah. Straight straight away, so you have. The Reverend Mother, and then you have like all this weird Protestant Catholic mm. OC Orange Catholic Bible, <laughs> Butlerian Jihad type. You have all of these this stuff about religion, mm. but it's just like far, far in the future when pro- like there's yeah, everything's been like bastardized out of context, so that it's like nothing. Like the, and and schisms have happened and then unhappened, and things have been merged and. Is Islam and Christianity are now the same, and or whatever? I mean, I don't know. I but it, you know, it's using all this language to really interesting effect. Um, and then he, they talk about uh, not using machines to replicate yeah. the human mind. Um, and like I was doing a bit of reading on the Dune Wiki, which is painstakingly, painstakingly compiled by real Dune freaks, artificial like computers are mm. outlawed, but they do have the capacity, like the ability to make highly sophisticated machines and computers 
and things that mimic the human mind. And I don't know, I was like, okay, so maybe there is still this, this lingering paranoia that even though thousands of years ago, hundreds of years, oh, I didn't, I didn't really get the time scales very, but you know, like there is still this lingering suspicion that things have been made in the image of human mind and they must be destroyed, like sought out and destroyed because they're not controllable. I mean, that's what I thought it meant at first. Yeah. Ah, so we went different ways. Because when I read it, um, he talks about his mother and like the way that she was bred and he was descended from her. And it seemed like um, the test that they wanted to do was like whether or not she'd had the right kind of like an eligible child. Sorry, did you say il- illegible? Illegible child? Eligible. Eligible. Thank you. Sorry, I was like, child, child you can't, child you can't read. Child who can't read. Paul can read. He's very good at words. <laughs> um, good job, Paul. Well done, Paul. So, like, she talks about how animals respond to pain and how humans respond to pain, rather than how machines respond to pain and how humans. But they, she's still just drawing, drawing a distinction between uh, humans and non-humans, and things that are organic and things that are maybe non-organic. Animals are organic. <laughs> Yes, I know, I know. I'm talking about is human mm. as an animal. Well, I mean... And what could be considered a, a person, but is not a human, you know? I mean, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm possibly reading it into it too yeah. much. I mean, I think when she said persons are not human, I thought that she meant, like, a person who is on the level of an animal and a person who is what they consider to be a human. Ah. And I don't think that they would consider, like, machines made in the image of human minds, or mentor even, to be people that's the impression that i got see that's very interesting as well i would like to know a bit more about like the social position of mentats god i love mentats yes but also no one tell us no that's true no spoilies don't at me do not at me about mentats i want to have my own internal universe about mentats please thank you don't fucking at me today about mentats Um, but uh, I really liked hearing about these ancient schools. Yeah, the Bene Gesserit. Do you want to read a bit of that? Because it's really interesting. Let me let me flip to it. Yeah, flip 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 flip. I'd say what page it's on, but my cool e-reader doesn't have page numbers. Thank you. Oh, that's so Thanks, cool. E-reader. Once men turned their thinking over to machines in the hope that this would set them free, but that only permitted other men with machines to enslave them. Thou shalt not make a machine in the likeness of a man's mind, Paul quoted. Right out of the Butlerian Jihad and the Orange Catholic Bible, she said. But what the OC Bible should have said is, Thou shalt not make a machine to counterfeit a human mind. Have you ever studied the Mentat in your service? And then he says, I've studied with Sufia Hawat, which we don't know who that person is. But anyway. What I would like a little bit earlier is I think it's his father's master of assassin. Um, maybe. Oh, and he he also mentions like having a dancing, a dancing. Yeah, which master. is great. I love it. And I'm like, fucking, God, I would kill to be Paul. I would. I Paul's knew life. you would. He's exactly the type <laughs> of thing that you would want to be. He's like like the little educated monk boy that you <laughs> wanted to be when you were like sixteen. <laughs> Oh my god, leave me alone. I've never been so red in my entire life. Okay, continue. The Great Revolt took away a crutch, she said. It forced human minds to develop. Schools were started to train human talents. Bene Gesserit schools? 
She nodded. We have two chief survivors of those ancient schools, the Bene Gesserit and the Spacing Guild. The guild, so we think, emphasises almost pure mathematics. Bene Gesserit performs another function. Politics, he said. So, I mean, I think that's just, like, so unbelievably good. Yeah, it's great world building. I do love it. It is. And the fact that it, in, in like, those very broad strokes, managed to paint hundreds of years of history of, like, this very almost, like, kind of single-minded ambitions of mm-hmm. creating these two highly specifically designed ways of thinking and shaping the world. I don't know. I was like, damn, this is the best. This is legit. I don't know. And I was trying to think of, I was trying to think of, um, you know, like real world analogs. Like, do we have anything that sort of approaches these ancient schools, which teach you a specific way of, uh, a specific philosophy for understanding the world? And I was like, I guess there are like ancient universities. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Or we could even talk about, I guess, how the the Roman Empire turned into the Catholic yeah. Church, which then kind of got mediated through all these different... And then schism after schism happened over these like kind of arbitrary things, but also about power. Yes, and you have these concentrations of learning and highly ritualised wisdom stuff. Look at our highbrow podcast. In monasteries, and I know, I'm, I'm smoking a cigar from how smart I'm sounding. <laughs> smoking a cigar and drinking wine at the same time right now yes and i'm wearing a mortarboard because i do that all the time because you have one and you do it all the time i do it all the time you have a cigar and you're like filtering the wine through it oh god (laughs) that's horrible but yeah no i was like i'm so i'm already just way in love with the benegesserit and extremely in love with the Mentats. Well, I also I love the Mentats. I hate the Bene Gesserits because they're eugenicists. You hate the Bene Gesserits? They're eugenicists. I know, but they're amazing. I mean, they're also very funky and fun, but they aren't, like, space Nazis. They're funky and fresh, but they are space Nazi nuns. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so... But, I mean, I do love villains. I, I always have loved villains. Yeah, I mean, I love villains too. I love this old woman. She's mm. terrifying. She's she's great. I was, I'm sort of was doing like a, a kind of a, a mental casting. And I don't know why, but I was like, oh, Julie Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> can I, can I, can I bring up some like textual evidence for like my human animal theory? Cite me something. So, um, when he gets out, when he gets his hand out of the box and he says, but the pain. <laughs> I love that. The Paul voice is very good. The pain. You know, can we finally have a, a hero who is a bottom? But the pain. I'm Paul. And she's like, pain. A human can override any nerve in the body. So a, a person who couldn't do that, not be human, is sort of the thing that I took from it. See, but I don't think that's what she's implying. Because none of the people she has tested is able to override override their nerves in their bodies. I think it's like a human can be trained to do so. Or like the idea that simple fact that he didn't remove his hand um, and therefore die uh, would, you know, would disqualify him from being human. 
or human enough. But you know, when when Jessica when Jessica she comes back in the room, and then she has like this kind of internal monologue where she says, "My son lives." She thought, "My son lives and is human." I knew that he was, but he lives. Now I can go on living. What does that mean? In the, if, if we're talking about the difference between humans and animals, and not humans and some other kind of non-humans, what does that mean? So I think if she's, de- if she's making a classification between humans who are intelligent enough to be considered her definition of human and humans who are basically animals, which is disgusting, then I think it's something that she would have known because... She is human, she's been tested to be human, and she has raised her son in a way that she would know as human. But I think she would still be relieved to find out that this, like, the judgment that she had made was true to life. Well, I mean, I still think, because the non-human intelligence is the number one taboo in this intergalactic space empire. Is it? Yes! Okay. (laughs) I've done the reading! You have, and I haven't done any. But also, 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 they're talking about Bene Gesserit here. Yeah. Um, she says, The original Bene Gesserit school was directed by those who saw a need of a thread of continuity in human affairs. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of both, but most of the thing. They saw there could be no such continuity without separating human stock from animal stock for breeding purposes. What does that mean in your, in your... Where, okay, where is that in the book? <laughs> um... It's after he says politics. Politics. Like, just after the bit that you just read. <laughs> I've already gone to another page. <laughs> but, um, um, no, 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 no. Yes. All right. And also he says he felt, he like repeatedly says he felt an offense against what his mother calls his instinct for rightness. Oh, because he's a good moral boy. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is gross. This is wrong. Well, I mean, that does give your theory slightly more weight. However, mm-hmm. I do still like my brain bastard child. I like both of them. But also, how how would he be a secret robot? <laughs> I'm not saying he's a robot. I'm saying that he might have, um, I don't know, that there would be some kind of plot against the Atreides family. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Mine, mine feels more and more yeah. shaky by the second. I feel like they're both really fun, though. But I, I do hold to the, the, the thing of um, there being an immense taboo and anxiety about non-human intelligences. That's super interesting to me, actually. And humans losing their, their relevance and value. I do. I also really enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. Um, and the, the fact artificial intelligence is banned, you know, it's still, it still must exist somewhere in the universe, but um, it must be, yeah, I think so. And I think that is going to be like a future plot point. I genuinely, and I'm excited. You know, the old woman says we wanted to breed your mother to a close relative to set up a dominant genetic trait. I was like, Ooh! and then Paul says he felt the offense to rightness. Again. I know that's very um, horrible, and he sort of resists it. Yeah. I mean, but this kind of reminds me of, like, um, you know Wolf Hall? I haven't read it. You know Wolf Hall? You should read it. It's good. Um, but, like, Thomas Cromwell, who, I mean, history doesn't agree on whether he was good or bad. And, you know, what a foolish thing to try and agree on anyway. But, um, like, he's kind of anachronistically... And I love I love this book beyond, like, with my life. Wolf Hall. Um, 
Yeah, Wolf Hall and Dune, but Wolf Hall. But um, Thomas Cromwell has like suspiciously modern feelings about women and, you know, brown people, I guess, and poor people and is a self-made man and is like a modern-seeming guy and whatever. And I'm just a bit like, oh, okay, so Paul has a 21st century or late 20th century feeling about morality and it's just like kind of this is one of the unadventurous things uh about dune is that we know paul is good because he is good yeah because he is good he is a good person tm because he is he's unproblematic he's unproblematic he's our work bay he's the work bay of dune okay I want to I want to talk about a work Paul, actually because in this part of the book at least like the first three pages he is fifteen years old and he's very cute he's he's a bit of a Mary Sue he is but I the way that I'm getting past that is by saying okay he's trans firstly yes so he's allowed to be very very good <laughs> and also he's very sweet and also I think he's like. He's still like hashtag problematic. He's still like, you know, he's like, how dare someone assume that I'm not the son of a duke? I am the son of a duke. I am the son of a duke. Do not treat me like some serving boy. Um, and other things like that. But he is very cute and like naive and like clever, but also stupid. Clever in a stupid way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clever in a stupid way. <laughs> and I really like him. I love our work, babe, Paul. So the Reverend Mother, um, there's this wonderful little passage about her where it says, The Reverend Mother ignored the view. She was feeling her age this morning, more than a little petulant. She blamed it on space travel and association with that abominable space England and its secretive ways. Oh, it's secretive ways. I sort of, she's a horrible person. She's a terrible person and you can tell, but I love her. I love her so much. I wish this whole book was about her. Throw Paul out of a high window. How could you do that to our bland protagonist? This is like prime candidate for projection because he's like a blank, boring slate. A blank male self-insert character that you could be like, I have saved the day. Yes, with sort of, with broadly liberal values. Um, He is a Frodo. He's He's a Sora Kingdom Heart, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, and we love him. Do you want to read the Fear is the Mind Killer passage? Oh God, yes, please. So good. Like you just get like a premium load of Dune. It's great. In I the love first it. twenty pages. It's really good. Thank you, Dune. Thank you, Dune. Thank you, Dune. <laughs> Thanks, Frank Herbert. Thank you, you Dune. Yeah, I mean, I, I, another thing about this is that not only is it based on like early modern. Islam, but it's also based on like transcendental meditation and and Buddhism. I know, and it's like we see you. <laughs> like you're just smushing them, smushing them all together, aren't you? So shall I shall I read like the bit that that goes before and then the fear is the mind killer litany. He recalled the response from the litany against fear, as his mother had taught him after the Benegesserit rite. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. 
and when it has gone past I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Which yes. is like, fuck yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> The listening against fear is self-care. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> So that's fun. Yeah. Do we have anything more to say about this chapter? I got my unit bit out. Yeah. And now I'm like... I have nothing else to say because I think you made all the good points. Um, cool. I think there is a really interesting kind of taster of the relationship between um, the Reverend Mother and Lady Jessica. Oh, definitely, It's just yeah. so delicious. Yeah, because it was like, I love you and hate you. Yeah. You know? yeah. And they have, like, clearly they have this weird, horrible, twisted history. Yeah, um, it makes me think of like, um, like, like Victorian boarding schools where you have these weird, horrible social relationships where yeah. you're sort of horrifically bullied and also protected and also, mm. yeah, Correct. a mix of love and fear. Yes, but I was, and hate. I mean, I don't really have a sense of Benegesserit as an institution. I mean, whether it's a physical place and it's, it's somewhere you can go, they're a Benegesserit school. I feel like they're sort of an order. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, With a lot of power and, like, historical weight and, yeah, money. And sort of, like, headdresses that signify your place in the hierarchy. But, yeah, no, I was just... I, I, what a what a cracking first chapter. I know, it is. It is good. Do you want to talk about what the Kwisatz Haderach means so far? The Kwisatz Haderach! The, mon- the one who can be many places at once. Uh, it is said a man will come one day and finds the gift of the drug in his inn or die. Yes. He will look into both feminine and masculine parts. I mean, also good evidence for Paul is trans. Yeah, he is trans. He is trans. Paul is trans. Paul is trans. I, yeah, the Paul trans reading is good because then the Reverend Mother is like, damn it, Jessica, why couldn't you have had a girl like I told you to? Because <laughs> obviously that's your choice. Yeah. Well, I feel like Jessica, Jessica supports her trans one Paul. Jessica says trans rights. Jessica says trans rights. <laughs> Jessica says trans rights. Like Olivia Coleman at the Oscars. <laughs> like uh, Donkey Kong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it is interesting. I think a trans reading of Dune is something that we must con- we must keep up. I'll try and follow it through, but if it breaks, don't blame me. Okay, I will just blame Frank Herbert, that problematic son of a bitch. Yes, fuck you, Frank. Okay. Anyway, yes. Shall we move on to the wonderful and fatphobic chapter two? It is wonderful. It is also fatphobic. Do you want to read? Do you want to read the title, the quote at the beginning of the chapter in June voice, or shall I? Uh, I can. I can do it. I can do it. All right. To attempt an understanding of the Muad'Dib without understanding his mortal enemies, the Harkonnens. It is to attempt to seeing truth without knowing falsehood. It is, attempt to, it is the attempt to see the light without knowing darkness. It cannot be. <laughs> From the manual of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. Thank you. Thank you, Princess Irulan. Thank you, Princess Irulan. Um, that is Princess Irulan's voice, by the way. She's great. I love her. Thank you, Princess Irulan. Do you remember in Dune the movie how Princess Irulan is like a, just a giant floating head? No! This beautiful lady. I don't remember that! smiles. You don't? No. I don't remember any facts about Dune the film. I just remember how it made me feel and colours. 
You just remember how it made you feel. Okay, well, that's good. So what happens in this chapter? Do you know? Um, well, essentially, we open in this cavernous chamber. There's one man in shadow looking at a beautiful, a beautifully adorned... Spinning under the impetus of a fat hand that glittered with rings. fat a hand. Fat the fat hand. The fat hand is me. <laughs> I am the fat hand. Just the hands, though. Yeah. Um... I mean, I know it's fatphobic. I know it is terrible. I really feel an identification with Baron Harkonnen. I love Baron Harkonnen and his, like, sort of uh, sardonic teen son and also Pitta. <laughs> and his gay, gay, evil, gay Pitta. His evil, gay, human robot Pitta. Yes! There's Baron Harkonnen, he's sitting in shadow, he's spinning his globe, he's talking about how much Dune is great, um, mm -hmm. and how how he and the Harkonnens basically want to extort it for all of the lovely, delicious spice. We find out mm, a yum, bit yum, of... Yum. Eat yum, it yum, like yum. candy. Yes, Peter <laughs> does eat it like candy, and he's like, you begrudge me my pleasures, Duke? And I'm just like, yes! Even though I mean, I mean, I mean, of course, Baron. Yes, um, bitch. Yes, bitch. Um, but uh, yeah. So we get to meet our first real mentat, first actual real life mentat. Do you want to explain what a mentat is? Um, I I guess. Um, although I don't really feel qualified. Um, well, the Baron does it here. I was gonna try and that. find. I was gonna try and find it. Where is it? Trying to flip through and then reading something that Pitta says, and I'm like, yeah, all of his all of his dialogue is just exquisite. He's the best. We might have to do like a sort of live reading. Pitta live read, yeah. A, a, a Pitta off. <laughs> well, I can be the parent, and you can be Pitta, and we can have some some Pitta patter. Pitta patter. No. Oh my God. You 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 terrible person. It's like after they have a little bit of an argument. And then his son is like, tell me your plan. And then the Baron is like, okay, but first, this is what a mentat is. Fayed Rauza is not his son. He's his nephew. Oh. Which means that he can nephew. be sort of weirdly sexual about him. Oh. Yes, yes, that's true. Love to be homophobic in Dune. Homophobic and fatphobic in Dune. Everything's great. I mean, also, yeah. I, I mean, Frank Herbert also does describe Pitta as taking oddly mincing steps. Yeah, like, okay, just... bitch. Oh, ugh. I know. Pretty gross. Let, let Pitta be um, gay. Let Pitta be gay, except I think he's also supposed to be in love or psych... Yeah, he's like obsessed with Jessica. Psychosexual obsession with the Lady Jessica. Yeah. But let, let Pitta be gay. Anyway. Um, this is a mentat fade. It has been trained and conditioned to perform certain duties. The fact that it's encased in a human body, however, must not be overlooked. A serious drawback to that. I sometimes think the ancients with their thinking machines had the right idea. And then Peter ah. says, there were, they were toys compared to me. You yourself, Baron, could upform those machines. Yes! Yes! See, but... But here, here, uh, the Baron does draw a distinction between yeah. human and non-human intelligences. He does, yes. 
So he does refer to Pitta as an it, yeah. which I also really feel in my heart <laughs> and in my soul. Yeah. Ah, and in my pronouns. Pronouns. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. But you have to train to be a mentor, don't you? You have to be engineered to be a mentor. But you have to be engineered to be a mentor, not from birth, not just from birth. But, but like, from genetically birth. for many years. Yes. They're like a sort of, bio, they're like a, like a bred race of things. Yes. Yeah. And they are, they are, they are, in, you could, you could classify them as a biological machine. It's clear that the Baron doesn't consider um, Pitter as a, as a whole person. Yeah, no, definitely not. Although they love to fight. They love to fight. Um, but, you know, Pitter is like, you know how in normal sci-fi, there's like mm-hmm. a ship's computer, and it might be slightly evil. And you go, computer! And it says, yes, Baron. Yeah, that's, that's Pitter. But he's that's more Pitter. mean and gay. Yes, and gay. <laughs> and, so, and, so, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, like he can... Um, it talks about him going into his sort of like mentat attitude. Yeah, he like snaps into this sort of weird, uh, calculated, professional, rehearsed way of speaking. Yes, and I just, I just imagine his eyes go dead. Going. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, did you ever read? Did you ever read the manga Chobit? Yes, Josephine, I did. Oh yes, we both read it like slightly too early. At the same time, yes. At the same time, because. Someone gave us a book of it, and we were like, wow, she's, oh, oh. <laughs> Gosh, that was a weird experience. It was fun, wasn't it? Um, it was fun. Thank you, Clamp. Um, thank you, Clamp. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like that, I think. Yeah. I loved Chobits, though. I thought it was really great sci-fi, genuinely. Yeah, I thought, like, I was thinking about it the other day, I was like, oh, like, the idea of a robot loving and being able to like have that love erased is the most like dangerous and delicate and terrifying thing for them that could ever exist mm. i love that i think that's really interesting i mean I, another thing was i was thinking about how we watched dune and blade runner at the same time we did we watched one after the other i was like tired from blade runner after <laughs> while we watched Dune. blade runner was supposed to be the main event but i have not thought about blade runner since since that day, and I think about I June think about like it once an hour. It was wild. It was a wild ride. I do think about you know, um, tears and rain. Yeah. Time to die. Time to die. <laughs> <laughs> that is very good. Well, I mean, this is sort of a, a point that's pertinent to mentats, is that, uh-huh. and I suppose non-human intelligence and sifting sifting for humans. Mm. is that Dune and Blade Runner are sort of like weird opposites. Or, I mean, kind of, they're, they're sort of, they've got this one similarity about A... Since the mentats. Since, I mean, finding finding the humans, sifting for the humans in this, and mm-hmm. sifting, testing for the robots in mm. Blade Runner by doing the weird test with the eyeballs. Yeah. I will see, I <laughs> felt, I found myself very clever when I thought of that but you don't seem very impressed no it's interesting it is interesting but also that isn't like a huge leap of logic it's like yeah they are very similar in that way it's a huge leap of logic 
<laughs> but it no, but it's it's no, an, but they are like. But it's, um, it's amazing I was thinking that we about. Them. It's just amazing that we saw them at the same time, though. Yeah, no, that is interesting, isn't it? And like everything else about Blade Runner is the opposite of June. One is blue, one is yellow, one is near future, one is very, very far future, one is all about machines, one is no, not about machines at all. One's yeah. very serious, one's very weird. Yeah. No, I do, I do. One really has lots of sex that. in it, one has no sex in it. Yeah, I know, this isn't going to be sexy at all. We're going to have to invent all of the sex. We're going to have to make it sexy. I mean, also, our, our, our protagonist is very underage at the moment, so. Yeah, but we can find sexiness elsewhere. Yes, um, true. But isn't it, I mean, I think, I still think that it is pretty amazing that there is this kind of human test. Well, I feel like that's, I feel like that's such a convention in sci-fi. Ugh, is it? I don't, I... I feel like that's a huge sci-fi thing, like, testing for humans, machines masquerading as humans, humans worried that they'll become irrelevant or not be needed anymore I mean, or be the, replaced the last, by machines. the last bit, yes, but I think... The the distinction being funny and weird and sort of blurry, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't happen nearly as often as I would like. But maybe I'm underestimating how often it happens. Fayed Ralpha is the guy who is played by Sting in the movie. <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> when he wears the metal underpants. I do remember what he looked like. He looks like um, Patrick Gill in a Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And they have a knife fight at the end. They do. <laughs> but he's a, a dumb little idiot in this as um, well. Fayed is just like boring and stupid. <laughs> yeah, he's a dumb little idiot. But also he's not a compelling dumb idiot. No. But I do kind of like that he's just like a really sort of a, like a slouchy, disinterested teenager. teenager yeah. Who like wants stuff but doesn't want to understand it. Yeah. I mean, I do quite like how it implies that he wears multiple body suits. At oh, once. yeah! That's why the best part is leotards. Yeah, I was like, wow. Oh, I love his leotards, okay. His leotards, one on each leg and another one on his torso. Should we keep of June fashion? June fashions. Ooh, actually, first, um, I want to read this bit where the, the Baron talks about June. Okay. The fat hands, me, move. <laughs> <laughs> tracing details on the surface of the globe. I invite you to observe the the basso? Basso? Um, basso. Mm, voice rumbles. Observe closely, Peter. And you too, Fayid, Rosa, my darling. My darling. From 60 degrees north to 70 degrees south. These exquisite ripples. Their colouring. Does it not remind you of sweet caramel? <laughs> and nowhere do you see blue of lakes or rivers or seas. And these lovely pearly caps. So small. Could anyone mistake this place? Arrakis! Truly unique. A superb setting for a unique victory. Ah. Like, sweet caramel. Sweet caramel. <laughs> and also, I like how he's like, ooh, look at those tiny little ice caps. Yeah. So small, yeah. Look on my globe. Um... Uh, what, uh, what? How are there ice caps on Dune if there's no water? Uh, there is water. Me. Oh, so you, nowhere do you see blue flakes or rivers of seas. I'm not sure. Maybe all the water is just like evaporated. Yeah, and it's and just it's, at the top of the mountains, and it doesn't. No, like, but it's, there's no there's no snow on the mountains. It's just the ice caps. 
because there's no there's so little um environment like uh yeah. atmospheric i guess yeah. if there's like tiny tiny ice caps at each pole and then the rest is desert there's probably like a really tiny margin like underneath the ice caps that is water but it's so but, iced over that you can't see it but how i ask frank it's a hot ask planet. frank talk to frank about <laughs> drugs frank <laughs> the spice the spice um, frank the spice of flow um, I, d- I don't know. I didn't really get it. I probably don't understand geography, biology, physics. And then after that, they, they uh, pitch delivers a letter and they have, like, the best reaction to it in the world. And the letter oh, is so really good. salty. And it's about how um, the Duke, uh, Paul's dad, uh, believe, uh, like, talks about how June is his now. And the Baron is like, ha! <laughs> and Peter is also having the time of his life. And yeah, I mean, but he is also a bit kind of salty about the fact that he doesn't get addressed as a uh, cher cousin. Yeah, I mean, are they cousins? Sire is cher cousin. No title, nothing. Meh. 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 Yeah, no, Peter's having the time of his life. The Baron is but Peter's like extremely having fun yeah Peter I don't know I love Peter I just he's sort of so bitchy okay tell me about the leotards and then we can do Peter oh god the leotards is like nothing it's basically so there's almost no content whatsoever well if Where a man wore leotards would he wear them like this <laughs> or like this or like this <laughs> <laughs> um how does but he wear two leotards? I don't think he does wear leotards. I just think he customarily wears leotards. What, is, and what it, does Frank Herbert think a leotard is? I I have no idea. <laughs> I just, my my understanding is that it's a piece of bad writing. Cool. Um, And it's set up to kind of establish the idea that Fyde Rowther is a cool kid. He's only a cool wears, teen who, who wears leotards. Who only wears black leotards. Two leotards. Two, <laughs> two leotards at the same time. Great. The, the height of fashion. Yeah. Do you want to do some pitter-patter? Pitter-patter. I am really interested in the bit where he says, how waggish of you. How waggish of you. Where is that? What else is happening around it? It's just after the letter reading. And also Peter's an assassin, which I think is very cool. He's a mentat assassin. So he doesn't just have a cool mind, he also has a cool, sneaky body. He's not just Wikipedia, he also is murder. <laughs> he's also the dark web. He's also the dark web. He's not just Wikipedia, he is the Wikipedia entry on murder, as well as the whole <laughs> Wikipedia. He sure is. Um, I can't find how... Oh, yes, I found how waggish of you. All right. And I'll be uh, Baron. Yeah, okay. Can you be Peter? A grin flashed across Peter's face. It was like a mask grimaced beneath those eye holes. Oh, beneath those eyes like holes. Sorry, I'm going to have to start again. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, huh? Those eye holes. <laughs> uh, a grin flashed across Peter's face. It was like a mask grimaced beneath those eye ho- eyes like holes. <laughs> But Baron, never has revenge been more beautiful. 
It is to see a plan of the most exquisite treachery to make Leto exchange Caladan for Dune, and without alternative because the Emperor orders it. How waggish of you! In a cold voice, the Baron said, You have a thrust of the mouth, Peter. But I am happy, my Baron, whereas you, you are touched by jealousy. Peter! Ah, uh, uh, Baron! <laughs> Is it not regrettable you were unable to devise this delicious scheme by yourself? Some day, I will have you strangled, Peter. Of a certainty, Baron. Enfin! But a kind act is never lost, eh? And with a chewing verite or simulator, Peter. Truth without fear surprises the Baron, Peter said. His face drew down into a caricature of a frowning mask. Aha! But you see, Baron, I know as a mentat when you will send the executioner. You will hold back just so long as I am useful. To move sooner would be wasteful, and I'm yet of much use. I know what it is that you learned from that lovely dune planet. Waste not. True, Baron? The Baron continued to stare at I mean, we could do this all day. We could do this. We could do this for the rest of our lives. Yeah, we could. But Fade happens, and we don't like him. So. <laughs> and we have no other person to read Fade. So. Is it Fade or Fade? I always said Fade rather. Fade. Fade is nice. Fade rather. Yeah. Okay. So in this chapter, Peter sneers. The Baron is fat. I guess. Do not toy with Peter. Do not toy with Peter, Baron. My dear Touch Peter. Hands. The child pool, my dear Peter. I love Peter so Peter much. is the best. Peter is my favourite character. Why isn't Peter the main character? I don't know. Oh no either. In in a in a in an FMK situation, he's all of them. Fuck <laughs> Peter, Mark Peter and Yes. <laughs> I feel like the Baron would also. Oh my gosh. Then I'm on display, Peter said. Shall I dance? Shall I perform my various functions as the eminent fade Ralph? <laughs> I mean, is he is uh, the Baron is supposed to be sort of an evil gay when when yeah. when he just sort of calls fade rather my darling constantly. I, know. I don't know. It's just such heavy telegraphing. Yeah, he's meant to be like a fat, fat evil gay, the evil. most repulsive yes. thing that you could possibly Indeed. be. Um, but I'm one of those, and so. I have lots of rings. Actually, I I love I, to eat. I actually don't have lots of rings, but I would I would consider getting lots of rings. Yeah, for your uh, in baron. In order to be the baron a little bit. Um, another thing is, I suppose we haven't really touched upon chome. Yeah, I don't really know what chome stands for. No, neither do I. I just I just like the fact that it's in capitals. Chome. Uh, well, I chome. it's an acronym. Yes, but it looks like someone's just shouting. Chome. There, there is some really fun like bits of world building in this one too. It's like it's a lot to like explain and go through. So I'm just gonna not talk about stuff that's actually important to the plot. Just talk about the stuff I enjoyed. Because <laughs> there's a lot of like exposition about what their plans are and like more information about who's who and politically who does what and what the world is like. But I don't care. I just care about Peter. Yeah, exactly. I think that is what's come out of this conversation, really. Yeah, we love that Peter. We're not, 
in we're the not morning. So, we're not so hot on plot. We love Pitta every day. Oh, no. <laughs> I just the got Pitta a kids. bit of homophobia. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, how, how great. And what a lot to work with we've got. I feel like June could be really good if it wasn't written by, like, some white guy who didn't want to actually perceive and understand things about his source material. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and also wasn't homophobic. Hmm. Because, like, the Baron describes... Oh, oh, this is really gross. The Baron describes Paul as having such a sweet young body. I was just like, looking at that and thinking, yeah. yes, this is, again, it's telegraphing yeah. a sort of I was like, evil. You can make someone seem evil without doing that. Also implying that they are a paedophile. Yeah, that it's is like good. disgusting. It is terrible. And unnecessary. Yeah. It's not good character building. It's not. And it's really like um, the fact that probably the only characters who are coded as gay are also coded as terrible perverts who do horrible things to people. It's mm. like really alienating and gross and bad. <laughs> I don't like it. It is. Um, but, you know, it was the... I guess, 70s? I guess. Not that that's an excuse. No. Um, but, uh, oh, 1965. Oh. Apparently. It oh, was uh, pretty published. Old, huh? Pretty old, huh? Pretty old. But, um, yes, fascinating and also terrible. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, with this uh, second chapter, is that it is mostly just these three characters sort of pinging off one another. Yeah, which is really um, fun. Which is fun, it's great. And they talk about, um, well, since we're talking about Mentats and we're interested in Mentats, um, I think Dr. Yue is a Mentat. Um, yeah. Is a, he's a school graduate with Imperial Conditioning, which I think makes him a Mentat. Like, conditioning is like the way that a Mentat is like sort of programmed, I guess. To mm. behave a certain way. So, um. And I know that Fufir Hawat mm. is also another mentat in the yeah. employ of He's the Duke. He's the, uh, the Duke. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's clear that they have, like, this kind of somewhat elevated yeah. position. But, like, as tools, not as, as tools. People. As vassals. Yeah. But, like, um, what I wanted to say was, like, um, they were talking about finding a lever to move the doctor and removing this condition without killing the subject. Um, mm. And they don't really explain how, but I was like, that's very interesting. Like, yes. Yeah. Maybe there's like an amount of pretending that people don't have the autonomy that they actually do have. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be like kind of a Mentat Liberation Front type fantasy. Yeah, where's the Mentat have... Liberation Front? Mentats are not just tools. Why isn't this book about Pitta? I mean, also in the film, uh, do you remember Pitta used to have like these great hand signals that he did? I don't remember. Again, I don't remember anything. <laughs> I remember Karl McLaughlin vaguely and some like blue-eyed children and also like shapes and sounds and blood and a night fight with Sting. That's it. Okay, and that's it. Oh, fair enough. I, remember I mean, the I world. think. The worm. We haven't even touched on the worm. The worm hasn't happened yet. I know, but the worm is one of the reasons that 
we wanted to do this. We'll I do think. one of the week at the end, and our one can be the one. Yeah, there's just some there's just some cool fabphobia at the end of this chapter. Yes, I think the fact that the Baron dramatically steps out from shadow to be like at the end. he's like, wow, he's even fatter than we thought. <laughs> and then he says, I'm hungry, and he sort of rubs his lips with his whole hand. And look down and through his through fat, fat and folded eyes. eyes. I'm like, How oh, awful. I feel very good at the moment currently. I feel great. I feel great. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thanks, Frank Herbert. I love it. I just, I find it so wearing. Mm. Just really tiring to yeah. read that. Yeah. And think, it is, my God. It's exhausting to like read and try and not attach fatphobia to yourself as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And how lazy is yeah. this? It's so lazy. It's just shitty. Like, Frank, you did so much world building and then you did this. Frank, minus ten points. Minus ten points. You've got one for the world building, one for the meta, and you have now you have minus eight, because you did homophobia <laughs> and fatphobia and racism. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... It is it is interesting how the quote from the Princess Irulan kind of sets up uh, yeah. that like, the difference between the Atreides and the Harkonnens is as different as light and shadow. I know. But really, they're both, you know... They're the same. They're kind of both scheming, um, you know, noble houses, mm. um, except that one of them has a scion who is thin and beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and fifteen, and the other and one, one of them is like has a, a fat teen. old, like an teen. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I imagine, to the people, like the majority of the people who live in this setting, who are like people who are workers or people yes. who are like they're just you like know, living horrifyingly there was exploited. No, there was no difference between the um, the Atreides and the Hakonans to those people. I bet, like nothing. Well, I mean, I think. That he does go later on in the book to quite great pains to portray um, Leto as being a very nice, fair king. Oh, yeah. Uh, not king, duke, uh-huh. who loves his workers and wants them not to die right. when they're harvesting the spice. I love it. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like a very token attempt. Yeah, it's like, to be... it's like they don't really get a perspective as people. Or that's what I'm expecting to happen. No, and also we get we get no idea whatsoever about the normal people of Caladan. I know, and it like, sort of sucks. Like it does suck a little bit. Yeah. Like, although you know, Princess Irulan says at the beginning of the first chapter is that um, the Muad'Dib's beginning is on Dune, and there would be no reason for us to think about Caladan. So I guess yeah, it makes sense. But, like, but at the same I wonder time, what it was like there. I guess so much context of how the family is and how poor how people would think and how was raised and like I feel like um it reminds me of okay so I have a hot take oh well take that take it might not be that hot it might be like a loop <laughs> but I think I think the sort of general like obviously hashtag not all men but the general male perspective towards history is to think about like things in epic terms and things in like uh the terms of the, the actions of noble families and allyship and logistics and on a sort of large scale um, mm. and not really think very much about like the personal and the intimate and like the sort of 
very particularly cultural. Um, mm. Like in a world-winning sense, but not in like a intimate, compelling story sense. In a large-scale sense, but not in like a, a day-to-day sense, where it's like, how did these people wash their clothes? Let's tell a story about how Jesus fell in love and like what that circumstance was. Like, mm. what? And you can you can get so much history and culture I know. Yeah. from the personal stuff. I feel like cultural history and personal history is something that is really like it's it's feminized and then overlooked because it's feminized. And I'm sure things are changing. Like I don't I don't study history anymore. Um mm. and I only did it at A level and I'm sure like history is probably moving towards looking at things in that way a bit more. But I feel like still that's like so a way that history isn't usually looked at it's not looked at is in its impact on like individuals and like the majority of individuals that's looked at in terms of what things meant to the people in, in power yeah I mean I feel like this this that June is kind of history in the mode of Herodotus like it is the actions of great men yeah yeah and like oh and I feel like that's how Frank is approaching writing which that's I mean he's thinking about I mean, and also to to approach history as a kind of epic, yeah. right? Where you're talking about you know vast journeys and huge armies, yeah, and whatever mm-hmm. is is the original is like the classic mode, classical mode. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, also uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in Herodotus mm. that is about you know. He really wants to tell you weird anecdotes about the strange cultures and practices mm. of people and, you know, like the Persians and proskinesis mm-hmm. and, you know, servants telling the king stuff and then them being executed and whatever mm. and the king's wife, etc. So there is like a kind of social, yeah. socio-cultural it's aspect very and a ra- relational aspect. Telling rather than micro-storytelling. Yes. And the micro and is I always think... an embellishment and not really the... Not the story, not the central story. Yeah. I mean, with this, obviously, we're talking about whole planets. Yeah. Not just uh, territories or peninsulas around the Mediterranean. Yeah. Um, so so like, it is, by necessity, kind of macro. Yeah. And I feel um, like that is a problem with a huge amount of sci-fi, especially sci-fi that's written by men. It's like, mm. it's, so, it's so macro that you can't, like, an approach that isn't so very often taken is like, writing micro-stories with macro as a backdrop, hinting at, like, a wider world and things that are happening in that that are really interesting, but focusing very specifically on, like, a relationship or a, 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 a small event, something like that. Yeah, and although I I'm sure like that's, that's happening somewhere. Really recently. You know. Yeah. I mean, neither of us can claim to be, yeah. you know, broad readers no, of sci-fi. No, I don't sci-fi. Read things very much. But also, it was like, it made me think, I have a friend who writes and read a lot of fan fiction, um, mm. and, like, they have a lot of really good opinions about how how fan fiction is, like, a place where those kind of micro-stories and those intimate stories and stories that have really interesting details about the world woven into something that's very personal, um, often fan fiction can be very, very good, very well written, and do that really mm. well. Can be really appealing in that way. But it's again, it's difficult. I bet Dune has some really good fan fiction. Yeah, I mean, I think the way that I'm reading Dune is by writing fan fiction about it in my head as I read, <laughs> and be like, "Oh, Paul is a trans boy, and his mum cares about him, and she picks out clothes for him, and he sits up in bed and hugs his knees, and 
talk to her about stuff, you know. Oh, at the beginning, oh. in the first few pages, he like sits up and hugs his knees and asks his mom about something, and she's like, "No, we don't. We don't have June." Like, oh, that's really cute. It would. It it's kind of is surprising to me that Dune isn't a kind of um, icon of fanfic in the way that, say, Star Trek is, or like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just there's so much raw material there. There really is. There are so many like interesting, I guess, interesting male relationships mm. that um, and like that is could, like. That is kind of overwhelming in fiction, but also it's very interesting. Mm. And I just think it's something that would be so ripe mm. for, I guess, people in the in the sixties and seventies. For sure. To where, like where's the get June into. Fanfic? Don't send me where's, any where is the it. vintage Dune fanfic? But like, you know how fan fiction as a modern thing started with Kirk and Spock. Yeah. Essentially, like. Why didn't it start with Paul and Fide. Sting? Sting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or why didn't it start with? Uh, I guess, I guess at the moment we haven't really uh, found anyone who's particularly close or sexy enough yeah. to really spark the imagination. Again, I think this book is just sort of tremendously unsexy, and that's why it doesn't have so much fanfic. I guess. I bet there are some sexy people in there. It needs to be sexy. I reckon Duncan, Idaho. Pitcher is a good start. I'm sure we'll Pitcher, get somewhere. Pitcher is very sexy. Yeah. Um, My brain just did a spoonerism because you said Spock and Kurt, and I was like thinking about that, and then I'll, it sort of transformed into Cock and Spurk. Oh, no. Thank you. Uh, thanks, brain. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, brain. <laughs> thanks. I hate it. Thanks, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, should we do one of the week? Okay. Um, my one of the week is the one from Doctor Worm who plays the drum. Ah, uh, Doctor Worm. I think you sort of blown your load there, really. Like I'll think of more. He's not a real doctor, <laughs> but he is a real worm. He lives like a worm. He's interested in things, and he likes to play the drum. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. God love Doctor Worm. That's my one of the week. Sometimes when I'm sad, I think about Doctor Worm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, what's your worm of the week? Um, well, my worm of the week is uh, a figurative worm. Uh huh. Because I was uh, idly googling things. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was trying to find out if it was a full moon because I was getting lots of weird calls at work, and I sometimes, it, you know, I sort of think that it kind of coincides with. When everyone's body waters Explain are moving around. D- really? Explain the weird calls. Weird calls? Oh, I just got lots of weird calls. Uh-huh. Like? And, I don't know. From and whom? Like, people. Okay. Wanted to ask me about things. I shouldn't really <laughs> go into details. Because I have a secret job. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I was just like, oh gosh, everyone is really acting up in my mentions, and by my mentions, I mean your phone. my ears. Yep. Uh, sorry, 
is so bad. That's good. I love it. Uh, thank you for listening to University, everybody. Um, I had a great. I had lots and lots of fun um, this this evening, this night, um, and I hope you did too. Listening to us talk about June for over an hour and a half. Jersey's um, uh, audio cut off uh, right in the middle of the sentence because. Uh, her computer went down, and we're very much hoping that we can save the recording. But we shall see. Uh, yeah, have a nice night. Keep it warm, you folks. So I got behind her and I lapped it up Then we danced all night till the sun came up Then I took it to my yard and I wrapped it up